Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Let's take our Bibles and jump over to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to begin today in verse 7. Let's talk about getting ready to step through the open door. Praise God. And remember, it's more than just crossing the threshold to the other side. There's going to be a change and a shift. We need to talk about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we thank you that this is our spiritual food. We thank you that we feed on faith food. And we thank you, Father, that we're drawing nourishment and strength today from your word in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 6, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we want to listen, not just audibly in a sense physically, but also spiritually so that we know prophetically what the Lord is doing in this moment. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write. So we see that the churches in the book of Revelation that John sent these letters to, they are in modern-day Turkey, and that would be the case of Philadelphia. These things says, He who is holy, who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. Wow, praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Should God open a door for me like he did for the believers there in Philadelphia? Well, you should go through it. Whether it's a church as a uh, corporate body of believers with the divine opportunity to step into something, or as an individual child of God, when God opens a door for you, praise the Lord. I would highly suggest that you go through the doors that God opens now, it is possible in the efforts of human flesh to fabricate uh, openings uh, into areas that God never uh, designed for us to be in, but we're not talking about crazy stuff like that. No, we're only talking about loving God, and when you love God, you all you want is His will for your life. You're, you're not trying to grab a million different things at one time. So I'm talking to those who want to please the Lord, who want to demonstrate their love for the Lord, and walk in his will, and that includes going through the doors that God opens. Woo! Praise God. Now, let's take a look at this in the life of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 5. Now, I will come to you, that would be the believers in Corinth, I will come to you when I, am, uh, when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. But even though there are the adversaries, and he would certainly have plenty of those in Ephesus, a lot of idolatry, uh, just everything you could possibly imagine running up against as you're endeavoring to 
preach the gospel in a, in a place where there are so many that are unevangelized, unchurched, unsaved. Well, Paul still recognizes, though, that it is an open door, and it's, extremely, it's an extremely effective door. You know, one of the rules of evangelism is that you don't want to try to light or burn wet wood because it's so hard to get it to catch on fire. So you want to preferably have a campfire and burn dry wood. As a matter of fact, some wood can be so wet, you can't, you can't bore, uh, burn it. Even if you put a bunch of gasoline on it, it's still very, very difficult. But it's like that in evangelism. You want to be at places and go to places where the Spirit of God is moving and the hearts of people are tender, and it's that revival moment. It's that divine moment. Woo! Praise God. And that's what the Apostle Paul was looking at. And so God has these moments where the door opens. It's not the only door in your life. This was not the only uh, ministry outreach uh, that Paul had. He had many. He was a great traveler. But this was something in this season of his life where he's coming up to this divine moment where this door that is open, he cannot turn it down. Even with all of the, uh, the requests, Paul, come over here, preach over here. No, Paul, come over here. We want you over here. Well, God opened the door in a certain place. Praise God. And I believe that God is either about to open the, the door for you, or he has already opened it and you're thinking about it. Maybe you have not even yet gone through it. And that's why we want to talk about these things today. Praise the Lord. Now, again, the Apostle Paul said, for a great and effective door. There are great doors. There's doors that are small, and there's doors that can, it can change the trajectory of your life as, as far as moving forward with huge strides. You don't have that every day, nor every week, sometimes not even every year. <laughs> but there are those moments, you could call it a great door. Wow, praise God. And it can actually set the trajectory and the direction of where your focus is for the next 10 years. So these are very important, and God has something very important planned for you that he is going to open or is opening right now at this moment for you. Now, let's ask further questions about the open door. It's not just that the door is open. It's not that we even start walking through it. It's the other elements also involved and we want to talk a little bit about that further. Now, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and let's drop down to verse 10. We've talked about Jabez before, but he's a good example today. So let's go to verse 10. First Chronicles 4, verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Now, he's calling out to the Lord, we could have similar situations where we could say that we prayed. Maybe you even, maybe even labored and labored in prayer. I remember one time that I had a prophet friend of mine. He said, um, he said, come on, brother Stephen, go up with me to this city. Uh, and it was a very large city on the West coast. He said, I have prayed for 10 years to be able to get into this church. And I'm, I'm hosting a conference. The pastor gave me permission to host uh, uh, my conference in his church. And he said, so just come up with me and be one of the speakers. 
I said, okay, I've actually got time to do it. So um, sure, let's go. So Kelly and I, we rented a vehicle and uh, he grabbed the rental vehicle and we just drove from Southern California up to uh, the central part of California. And we went to the meeting, went to the church. And I tell you what, the meeting was a lot of fun. And the, actually the pastor was healed from hemorrhoids when the Lord had me laid hand, uh, lay hands on him and God healed him instantly. Yeah, he fell out the spirit. He got up and he, the first thing he did is he went to the restroom and God had completely healed him from a very painful malady. Woo, praise God. So the pastor, you know, appreciated uh, what God was doing. Of course, he was very thankful. But you know, that, that prophet friend of mine had prayed for 10 years for that door to open. And while I spoke there once in that church, it's like the pastor just fell in love with my prophet friend in the sense where he's like, everything about you, I like. I like the anointing on your life. I like your style. I like your, your humor or whatever it was. And he went back over and over. He could call the, I mean, it was at a point where he could call the pastor and say, pastor, I feel I need to do another conference or come uh, minister a word to your people. And the pastor would say, I trust you completely. Come anytime you want, come right now if you want. <laughs> it was an absolute open door that he prayed 10 years for that to happen. And when it happened, um, it was a supernatural bonding between he and that pastor and it's still like that today. And um, uh, it, it's amazing. And I saw that firsthand, uh, similar to what Jabez, I'm sure that Jabez was desiring a shift like, Lord, uh, hey, I don't want the rest of my life to be like this. You're going to have to do something or uh, I'm really going to be lagging along and might not even uh, get the second base, round second base, like in baseball until maybe I'm 80. So Lord, we need to expedite this. And so that, that was that prayer going up. But you have to remember, just like Jabez, there's going to come a point uh, as you stay steady and keep walking with the Lord, God's going to answer that prayer. And when he does, things become woo, very, very interesting very quickly. Praise God. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. What does that mean? What does that translate to now? What's well, the open door? Uh, God, give me an open door. Okay, so God does it, and you go through it. Now you have enlargement. What does that basically mean? It means a lot of work is now on the way. It means that you're going to have to get more structured in the allocation of your time, in the way that you do things, and uh, maybe get tighter on scheduling, better organization. There's always room for improvement in all of these areas. But yes, for Jabez, God said, okay, that's what you want. It'll bring me glory, and you're happy to see me get the glory. God goes, boom, boom. Praise God. And the next thing you know, Jabez is like exploding on all sides. <laughs> and, so, and so it's not like a, a prayer that's in a, like a draft folder somewhere. No, it's answered. It's answered. And so it creates new levels of work. You know, I was ministering uh, 
a couple of months back at Belmont Abbey College, uh, which is just outside of Charlotte, and I was ministering to the college students, uh, those in the uh, theology class, and they were talking uh, with me, asking me some questions because I'm Pentecostal, and this is a uh, uh, you know very um, very strong Catholic university, so they're asking me certain things, and I shared a little with them about television because sometimes when you see Christian television. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's almost like it's glamorized. You know it is in Hollywood. That's all Hollywood intentionally wants to beef that and pump that where these people that are either movie stars or, or TV actors are put on uh, pedestals that uh, would, you know, uh, endeavor to pro- approach like uh, deity, you know, gods and goddesses and stuff like that. Um, so we're, we're going to stay level-headed, praise God. We're going to stay humble and give God the glory. But here's, here's the truth, though. Uh, behind the cameras and behind the lights and all of that is that television is just flat out a lot of work. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, I saw you in the green room in the chair, and they were putting makeup all over you before you did your show. Yeah, you, you, have, you have nice... Maybe you could call it little perks like that. Although for a guy, it's not like real, like it's like it's really exciting having you know makeup put on you. But you actually you have to do it, or the glare bouncing off from the lights of the sweat or the pores on your face it, it doesn't look good. So you, uh, it's just it's too much glare. You're look like you're like a halo on your face. So you have to you have to do all of that. And in TV, they put it on real real thick too. <laughs> You know, a lot of a lot of people on TV are not too happy about that, but because uh, then you see them in real life, you're like, whoa, whoa, and they don't have it on that thick in real life. You're like, okay, wow, whoo, praise the Lord. So. I intentionally try not to do that. My wife and I are very real people. We don't put on airs and we don't try to fake people out by being plastic. Praise God. That doesn't mean you shouldn't use some, uh, you know, a little powder to freshen up or whatever it might be. This is kind of a different subject. But what I'm trying to say, though, as I was sharing with the young people, is that it's just a lot of work. Yes, it, 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 it's. Uh, it's, it's exciting and it's fun and I love it because God's called me to do it. But at the same time, you know what it's like to stand there in a studio and the, the, the prices are very expensive also, which is why we're wanting to build our own studio so that we can have more liberties in our, crea- in our creation, but also undercut really the outrageous fees that are associated with television production. But you know, uh, that time will come. But the thing is, is that when you're in a studio and you're recording one show after another show, after another show, and you're standing up, unless you're sitting down, some people sit down, but when you're standing up and you just do that all day long, it's work. It's work on your feet. It's work on your back. It's work on your brain to pull all of this together and just, you know, because you've only got a few minutes between recordings to get a whole new message. <laughs> so that requires preparation and work and work. So what I'm trying to share with you is that whether it's the Apostle Paul going through a major door or the church in Philadelphia having some type of divine opportunity to minister to the whole city or whatever whatever it might be, or even with Jabez here, get ready. Get ready. And I, I wouldn't say to work harder, but I would say to work wiser. And you're going to need to really be on your toes with time management. And that's something even uh, this year, my wife and I have gotten much better with administrating and with scheduling and uh, aligning the ministry with high caliber, high quality, skilled 
companies that help us in these various areas so that we don't have wasted time and we don't have wasted uh, financial resources, but everything is utilized to its maximum ability. And you're going to have to make some adjustments too. Praise God. I see you coming through the open door and you're excited. It's what you've prayed about. <laughs> so, so yes, go through the door. Jabez went through the door. Paul went through the door. Uh, the, the church uh, there in uh, Turkey went through the door. Hallelujah. And of course, these people, we still celebrate their lives today. We're reading about them, talking about them today. But I believe that as you go through the door, you will go through, yes, with celebration for what God is doing and an understanding of the, could we say, the epicness of what is unfolding? This is the moment you've lived for, but also a very real, resolute understanding of this is going to, uh, this is going to extract more out of me than I've put out before. And so that could be the, the anointing that God has placed upon your life. That's why you have to guard the anointing. You have to protect it in a sense where you can't run around and do everything under the sun. I, I agree 1000% with what the prophet Kenneth Hagin said years back. He said, if a minister can run around all day, goof off, talk all day, and not spend any time in the word or in prayer and get up behind the podium that night and start preaching and stuff is happening, he said, something's wrong. Something's wrong because you can't do that. Uh, you're either getting up there telling human jokes or you're speaking out of your intellect or you're running maybe on a leftover anointing, but uh, you can't sustain that. So when things are really rolling, uh, yes, you have to come in prepared. It takes uh, greater levels of commitment, greater levels of dedication, but it pays off and it's worth it. And then you also feel uh, satisfaction within your heart that you gave it your very best. And at certain levels, that's really what it requires. Praise God. But uh, these things can cause maybe unusual feelings. We're not led by feelings. We walk by faith. But yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna to experience that as you go through the door because you realize, yes, this is the door. I'm going to go through it. But, uh, and there's a lot of joy with that, but there's also the reality of, I'm going to have to dial things in even more. Woo, praise God. And it's all good. It's uh, God maturing us, God pulling out of us what he has uh, put in us through gifting and talent and potential. And it's time for it to come alive. And that's really uh, a very special example that we see in the life of Joseph because he was different from his other brothers. Let's take a look at him uh, this morning, jumping over now to Genesis. Let's go way on back to the book of Genesis. We started in the last book of the Bible. Let's, uh, begin, let's move over now to the beginning book, the first book in the Bible. We're going to go to Genesis 37. Praise God. Hallelujah. I see the door opening. And uh, let me say this. What God's doing right now in your life is not a little door. This is a, like Paul said, a great door. And when he said great, he was not over-exaggerating. He was being accurate. There can be great doors, life-altering doors, destiny-fulfilling doors. You're bumping up on that moment right now. Either it's about to happen, 
and, or it is already beginning to turn on the hinges. Mm-mm. Lights breaking through on the other side. Woo! Praise God. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 37. Let's go to verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, 17 years old. Now, we love the story of Joseph, one of the most dramatic stories in the Bible, a real heart, uh, you know, grabber. It's a tearjerker type story. Now, Joseph, he's going to live a long life. He's going to go through some rough things, but all in all, he's going to end up living to be 110 years old. How many of you will say, amen, I'll take that, (laughs) right? (laughs) As we know also, he's going to end up being second in control over all of Egypt, and he's going to govern over Egypt for 80 years. Wow. Woo. Praise the Lord. So 80 years on task to what God specifically had prepared him for, but right now he's only 17. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Well, that's very interesting. Here's the truth of most families. Most families, well, although you know you might you may not instantly be able to tell it, but most families, just because we're all human, right, have forms of dysfunctionalism in them. How would you like to be a part of a family with four different mothers? <laughs> right? Well, that's what Joseph had. He's got all of these brothers, but technically they're not full blood. They're like half brothers. Okay. So they all, uh, you know, I, I had a, a gentleman uh, do some work on my house sometime back. He was a country fellow, good, good old country man. And uh, so he had another guy come over and drop some tools that he needed off because they would sometimes work together on projects. And I said, who's he? He said, oh, he's my brother from a different mother. <laughs> well, that's really... And he was just saying, he and I are real close. But here with Joseph, that's really the way it was. You've got, you've got four brothers here, that, uh, and your mother's this one. Then you've got four brothers here, and their mother's this one. But you've all got the same daddy. <laughs> Woo! And uh, there's, there's tension also. Let's talk about that. But first, it says that Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Well... It's, it's a bad report, but it's an honest report because um, there's stuff going on that his brothers were doing. The Jewish rabbis with their commentaries talk about really uh, some of the selfish interest the brothers were already having with their share of the cattle and what they were planning on doing. So it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like working for Coca-Cola, but you're doing things on your off hours for Pepsi, and it's a conflict of interest, but that's kind of what was going on with the livestock. And Joseph told his daddy about that, and the brothers didn't like that. But it was a true report. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Well, here we have some sentimentality. We have some sweetness, and that's all nice. That's, you know, uh, I guess when people get older, they get softer. I'm not sure why. The same thing happened in my family with my younger brother. 
I don't know why, but I see I'm the middle and I have an old and I have an elder brother, but my younger brother, or, you know, kind of like the baby brother, oh, he got the royal treatment from my parents, things that me and my older brother never got away uh, with or got, you know, um, corrected on or a rebuttal. My younger brother never got any of that. <laughs> he was like the baby. And, uh, you know, so there's some pampering by, you know, mom and dad, stuff like that. And it's okay. So for some reason that seems to happen, but it says, he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. And as we know, that's going to infuriate the brothers, the other brothers, because that, that coat of many colors, the Jewish historians again say that it was a coat that would represent nobility. And it wasn't just like a coat like we would wear in cold weather. It was more of like an elegant robe with the, uh, the sleeves coming all the way out to the wrist and the, the robe part of it coming all the way down to the ankles. So it was extremely beautiful. It was a very expensive piece of uh, clothing. And it also probably said who Israel is thinking of getting the, you know, the, the blessing of being the elder son because Reuben... Reuben has blown it, and the brothers know it. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a prophecy that Jacob is going to speak forth. So if, if um, Reuben's not going to get the blessing of the firstborn birthright, uh, who's going to get it? Well, you might think the other brother below him is going to get it, but others might think, well, yeah, but I, my mother is, is close to him, and uh, it could come down this line because he's already, that line's been disqualified. And so you had, you had four, maybe even six brothers. That could put up a pretty good argument if you were to, you know, like get in the court of why they maybe should be the ones uh, that, uh, or as an individual, would receive the birthright blessing. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So the pressure cooker situation is on. And you know, you can feel it. You ever been in situations where people don't like you and you're the odd one out and all the others are now like in a confederacy <laughs> where they're all, even if they don't like each other, but they're going to, they're going to band together just because they don't like you. And, uh, you can feel that, um, tension. You can feel that, uh, uh, that, that, you know, hate, hate, uh, jealousy or envy or things like that. Mm -mm. It's a, it's, it's awful thing. Praise God. But God's working. God's working. Now the jealousy of horse is going to increase because Joseph is about to drop the bomb on them. He's going to tell them about a dream he had. He's going to share it with his mom and dad. One aspect of the dream, they're going to think, whoa, that's, uh, uh, that's, you know, pretty crazy that, in other words, we're going to end up bowing down to you. Then he had another dream uh, with, the, with the brothers bowing down to him. And um, yeah, they got, the, the, so the whole family, you can see how families can be dysfunctional. <laughs> but it's still, we're all human. And so we're born into what we're born into. We can't pick our parents. It is what it is. And so God in uh, our walk with the Lord is what makes that distinguishing factor concerning us fulfilling our destiny and becoming who God wants us to be. Now, verse 11, and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. That would be, of course, the dream. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Now, 
he's there. There, He says, well, here I am. Why is he there and all of the others are gone? Well, all of the others are taking care, supposedly, of the flocks, but he's there. It does appear that there's something different on purpose going on with the development of Joseph. He seems to be more of a, what we would call, he's not the athlete. He's not, um, uh, you know, the most popular person in the classroom. He's the thinker. He's the one, while all the others are out having fun or doing things to just to get away from their dad and, and, you know, goof off or whatever the case might be, he's the bookworm. He's learning. He's studying. And Jacob is putting things into him concerning management, concerning business administration, because uh, Jacob was rich. And he's, he's imparting through teaching things into Joseph that are needed that are needed. So sometimes in life, we may think that we got the short end of the stick. You, uh, for example, uh, I grew up in the country, and when I was a young boy, I always wished that I would have lived in the city. But see, on the flip side, you have some kids growing up in the city, and they're thinking, I've never touched a cow, or I've never climbed a tree, because we don't have any in the, here in the concrete jungle, and they're thinking, I've been robbed of a country experience. <laughs> but you know, there are many of these factors you can't control, but that's okay because God is working all things for good to those that love him. And even if you don't even know him at that place in your life, God can use all of these things that you were born into or raised in, even if they were awful or difficult or, or maybe not preferred. And you know what? God redeems all of it. Praise God. And he'll take it and he will carry it forward to that point and that's what's going on with Joseph. Things are being put into him. It's going to be carried forward to a point where one day it's going to be used. Mm -mm. But right now, he's got to study algebra while the brothers get to go off and have fun together, camp out in the fields at night and uh, sit around the campfire and laugh and tell jokes and other stuff like that. Uh, he's got to hit the books. Very, very interesting. But again, there's destiny. We all have a unique path that God has for our lives. And so you have to embrace God's plan. Where you were born at is not a mistake. Where you grew up at is God's plan. Where, uh, you know, who your teachers in school are, good or bad, whatever the case might be. Sometimes I've had real bad situations, real bad experiences, even in ministry. And uh, I thought, Lord, what was the point of that? The Lord said, I want you to see how not to do it. <laughs> I had a situation with the pastor one time that, uh, you know, as, as Kelly and I look back on it years later, we thought, wow, that was, that was some crazy stuff. And the Lord said, yeah, I allowed you to experience that so that you know how not to do it. Because uh, the last thing you want to do is, you know, rough up God's sheep. <laughs> and I came out of a church one time. It's actually, if you, if you could believe it, it's the church where I got filled with the Holy Spirit at and began to speak in tongues. But it was like a charismatic type church. And everybody in the church uh, was young. There was hardly anybody in the entire church, 
that was over the age of 30. Um, there was one grandmother. She came because uh, her daughter was there. But the daughter, again, was under 30. So we're all under 30, including the pastor, including the elders. So there was a lot of stuff that was kind of silly because none of us uh, hardly had any life experience. It was uh, Most of it was college students and stuff like that. So it was kind of crazy. But yet I got filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, got initiated into the, the uh, you know, so, you know, the, 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 the Pentecostal flow, I guess you could say. And, uh, but looking back on it as a friend of mine, as he and I came out of that church later, we're like, wow, that was, that was kind of wild what we got caught up in all of that stuff. But sometimes you do have to learn how to behave in a cave. Woo. In other words, make your mistakes in places that are maybe low profile where it's not being interviewed or viewed with the camera, make your blunders, make your mistakes, uh, in areas where God covers it. <laughs> Some of you know too well what I'm talking about on that statement. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now let's continue with Mr. Joseph. Let's move over now to uh, Genesis 41, 41, get ready, get ready to go through the special door for you. And don't try to pull all kinds of other people through it. This is your door. This is not the door for your brother-in-law. No, this is your door. This is not even the door for your best friend. This is your door. Mm -mm. Praise God. Genesis 41. And let's go to verse. Let's go. Let's see here. Praise God. It's all so good. Uh, verse 26. Now watch this just for a moment. Listen to this statement. This is Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dream. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one, and the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, what got Joseph to this point in this area is we could say gifting, spirituality from the perspective of being a dream interpreter. He was a prophetic person. He was a dreamer when he was a teenager, and he had the ability to not only have these dreams, but the ability to understand them. Praise God. It's a gift. Now, uh, that gift that he had eventually uh, was taken to the ear of Pharaoh. And uh, they said, well, nobody else can answer this. Nobody else can explain or tell this dream. So let's give this person an opportunity. Okay, so we could say that gifting and favor is what got Joseph before Pharaoh. And that's true. Um, favor gives you incredible opportunities that would put you right up by the door. Okay. So that's where he's at right now. He's already out of prison. So the favor and also that gifting have brought him to this point. And he's up there interpreting the dream flawless. 
I mean, Pharaoh and everybody in there was probably just thinking, man, where did this guy come from? This is crazy. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, it's phenomenal to see the power of the Holy Spirit, that gifting, that anointing. Ah, but, but it's not enough. When you are at that spot and you start walking through the door, you transition from favor, which opens the door, to a place of not only having arrived or your arrival, but wisdom, which now plants you there. So in other words, you're not a visitor. As you walk through the door into this new promoted room, you're not a visitor thinking, oh, this is really great. You got to turn around and leave again. No, you're going to become planted there now by wisdom. What is wisdom? It's knowing what to do in every situation and watch the incredible wisdom that's going to come through the mouth of Joseph. And a lot of this is not spur of the moment anointing, although some, yes, we could say it's spontaneous prophetic flow, but it's also everything his daddy has baked into him. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and this is his son. When his son was a teenager, Jacob was pumping this stuff into him. Business principles, increase, storehouse principles, enlargement. <laughs> and now it's all kicking in. Woo! At a phenomenal level. Now watch this. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. By the way, when your blessing comes through, when your harvest comes in, I sure hope you don't go out and spend the whole thing. I hope you honor God with the tithe. I'll pray that you sow a special offering. And I pray that you take in the times of plenty, 20%, set it aside. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt. So can you tell he knows what to do? <laughs> I'm telling you the anointing will put you in charge, but it's not just an anointing of a flow. It's, a, it's an anointed flow of wisdom. And anytime you get into that, there's always power associated with it. So you, you can sense uh, these people in that royal court are thinking, this guy, he's not only smart, there's like power coming off of him. And there is, because wisdom and power are connected. Praise the Lord. For the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? He's basically like saying, this is like having God <laughs> in our courtroom. <laughs> This is like having like a, some kind of a divine being walking around giving us counsel. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. See, look, this is more than an open door. This is going through it. Boom. Now you're up and functioning in it. You've already got it in you. Hear me today. The seeds of wisdom, the seeds of preparation, so much of that has already been put into you. Now get ready because it's about to be 
It's about to have a demand placed upon it. Praise God. And you will shine. You will shine. It's time for your prayers to be answered. And it's time for all of that time in the word, all the, all your walking with the Lord and etc. You shall see the reward of the Lord because of the open door. You're going to go through and function. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will be, I will, I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. All right. Okay. Now watch. He's gone through the door. He's, he's not only gone through it. He's already got a throne next to Pharaoh's throne. So this is good. This is good. Well, Pastor Stephen, it's time for Joseph to get a houseboat and float down that Nile River. It's time for him to really enjoy the fruits of his labor. No, it's not. And you know that. Oh, Pastor Stephen, if I'd have been through an event like that and just got out of prison and finally had a hot meal and Pharaoh gave me a bunch of gold, you wouldn't see me for three months. <laughs> no, no. It's time to do what? It's time to go to work. It's time to go to work. You've got seven years and the clock's ticking. The clock counting down to starvation. Famine unlike anything you've ever seen before. Woo! My friends, it's time to go to work. What does that mean? Everything his daddy put into him when he was young and when he was a teenager, he's going to begin to draw upon that wealth of knowledge. He needs to know logistics. And he's going to have to even go further than what his daddy had told him. Now, he's going to keep those principles because principles are timeless. They're working any generation, any time, any, any area. But he's going to have to expand it. Why? We're going to have to have a place to put all of this grain. We're going to have increase unlike anything we've ever seen. We're going to have to put 20% of it where? Where are we going to put it? What kind of holding reservoirs are we going to have to develop? Because it's going to be massive. And it's going to start coming in real soon. Get going on this. Get your team together. It's time to go to work. We have other problems. Mr. Joseph, um, sir, uh, if we have all of this grain, uh, uh, it's going to attract mice. It's going to attract rats. What are we going to do? We don't want the food. We don't want the storehouses contaminated. And Joseph says, cats. Every Egyptian, every Egyptian, get a cat. <laughs> and don't spay them or neuter them. Let them just multiply. <laughs> and thus, no rats, no mice. Mm -mm. Egyptians loved cats like crazy. Some of the Egyptians were even buried with their cats. Had their, not only did uh, some of the Egyptian pharaohs, uh, they were embalmed, even had their kitty cats embalmed next to them. Praise the Lord. Just all kinds of stuff. Joseph has to think about things. So we have all of this. Building the infrastructure for one of the largest storehouse systems that the world has ever seen. Wow. And the clock is ticking the whole time. You're on a countdown to the end of the age. We've got some time, but we don't have time to waste. Amen. Go through the door and go to work. Go through the door and immediately go to work. Woo! Praise God. 
Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today. I thank you, Father God, that they will not miss the open door. Sometimes even a giant door. Sometimes, Father, it's like sometimes people can't. It's, it's like, did you hear what that person just said to you? Well, uh, Father, let them hear it. As the Spirit speaks, let them hear it. Because he, he speaks with a with it, reverberation, maybe through an opportunity that somebody would present. That's of you. A partnership or a venture. Or maybe it's just personal. Something that the individual is supposed to do. An opportunity. An open door, literally. Come do this for me. Come be a part of this. Father, let them not miss it. I thank you that they won't. And let them step through it. And let them already be removing any slack. That way they have a running start. And I thank you, Father God. Let them always stay ahead of the curve. Let them always have phenomenal order. Everything in its proper place. Now we give you praise. It's all for your glory. And Father, together, myself and all of my friends watching, we all just want to say thank you for the open door. Thank you. Oh God, because you're the one. We want to, we want to acknowledge that. You are the one that opens the door. A door no man can shut. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, praise God. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching today's program, which I'm sure you are, that's why you're here listening to me. But if you're watching and you don't know Jesus as your Messiah, your Savior, then you can know him right now. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Now, there could be others that could be watching that maybe at one point in your life, your life was committed to God, but you fell away and you need to come back to the Lord and recommit your life to God then I want you to also pray this prayer, okay? So those of you that are in that condition, pray this right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life fully to you. Jesus, step into my heart. Wash my sins away. Write my name in your book of life and step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward, in your name, I pray. Amen and amen. And my friends, he has heard that prayer. Woo, you're on the right track. You're on the only track to heaven, and that's the Jesus track. Jesus, Yeshua, Hamashiach. Woo, praise God. The Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior of the world. Praise God. Now, let's take Holy Communion together. I want to encourage you to grab some grape juice. Grab some unleavened bread, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it and set it apart, or sanctify it, that is, through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and blood of the Lord Jesus, our holy communion. And Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we just thank you for strength. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the open door. We thank you for faith. We're going to go through it by faith. We thank you, Father God. We're going to work by faith. We just give you praise. We thank you. We thank you, Father God, for Jesus. And we receive his flesh now. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together.
Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for forgiveness of sins and cleansing. And Father, if anyone has sinned against us, we forgive them. We completely forgive them, and we move on in joy in you. We thank you, Father God. Let the blood of Jesus work. We thank you, Father God, for cleansing from all sin. We give you all the praise. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for strength in this hour and joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's precious blood. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, my friends, thank you for joining me today. And by the way, thank you for everybody that contacted us to get the free book download. Wow, we had, we had people contact from all over the world who had an interest in, Ms., in Mr. Mezzofate, uh, as we talked about in our last session. What a great uh, man of God he was. And so we had people um, email in from... From down south, America, uh, you, know, uh, you know, whether it's Florida or Mississippi or North Carolina, we had people email in from Argentina, Australia, um, just literally all over America and all over the world. So that tells me that much of the audience that listens to these messages, you are thinkers, you are readers, you are researchers, and you are a uh, lover of the things of God. And that blesses my heart. Amen. Well, thank you for watching today, and I look forward to seeing you back again real soon. Till then, have a great week. Bye-bye.